0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of d discussions the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reader, and with me, as always, is my dragon in disguise, Ben Bumhoffer. How are you doing, Ben? You,
1: you know, that's not entirely, entirely accurate, because you're the one with the dragon in disguise. It is true. I although, do have
0: a dragon character, and it is the best.
1: Although... uh. The concept of a dragon close by was introduced very recently in a campaign that I happened to run. We'll get to that. Are we gonna
0: gonna hear about
1: that later? Uh possibly. You're gonna hear the hints of it and know exactly what the players know. I'm excited to tell you about that story because holy crap, did we have a session? Man, I we did too oh good
0: <laughs> isn't it fun when we both get to actually play D D between episodes it's oh i know
1: that, it's i mean pretty wonderful it's funny because like I, I really feel like this show could just be us geeking out about what happened in our session and we can go for hours on this so the it fact totally that could exactly the fact that we have to wait till the end of the episode to talk about it but we're both just like like raring to go it's like it, it's a good thing i mean gosh this game is so good it is so good. It is,
0: you know, and not everybody cares about you know what happens in other people's games, which is you know why we have the segment at the yeah. end. But I, I personally really enjoy hearing about that because a lot of times that's where I get ideas from. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's kind of like it's not. It's like a uh, watching a live play campaign, but getting the TLDR. In yes. Like 10 minutes for the session.
1: Exactly. Like as much as I love, you know, like long combat sessions when I'm playing, I'm listening to them. It's not my favorite bar- part, unless like crazy stuff happens, but you know, it's kind of like baseball. It's kind of, you know, humdrum and, and everything for a little while. And then there's a hit and then something really exciting happens for a little while. And then it kind of goes back to, you know, how everything normally is. And uh, at least that's when you're listening, when you're actually actively playing, every single round is exciting
0: yeah it's it's a little bit of a different feeling when Mm -hmm. you're when you're actually playing totally uh so this week um we're gonna talk a a little bit about um a topic that was sent in yeah it's been a long week sent in (laughs) from spaz wesson uh a topic i reckon you could talk about he says is how to end the campaign unexpectedly, if say in real life reasons pull a player or two away? I've had to do it once and it was tough. I thought this was actually a really, really good topic to talk about because this is something that happens really often, like this is just in the in the world of adults and adult schedules and uh People moving or other things in life come up and such, it is extremely hard to maintain a game with the same people over a long period of time.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, in fact, I mean, it, just between the two of us, we joke about how it's like, uh, you know it's great that we're able to play in between sessions or, you know, recording sessions. Sometimes, sometimes you go months like I did where we weren't able to because life just happens. But the fact that, you know, you build a campaign with the people that you're playing with and everything and you're having a great time. And then all of a sudden life happens. And like Spa says, one or two people just can't do it anymore. They're just gone. And it's one of the, the, the hardest things to kind of, you know, come together with everybody with because there's some decisions that have to be made and, you know, kind of navigating through those can be a challenge sometimes, especially if not everybody's on the same page.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing because we, we, we talked about this a little while ago and we'll kind of, it, it's worth going over again. So when you, when you first put a group together, we've talked about the session zero, how it's really good to, Make sure that your group gels. Make sure that everyone is kind of on board with the campaign and the style of play. Make sure everyone is uh, at least somewhat committed to trying to make play sessions work. That's what you need from the outset. Now, things can happen uh, during the course of a campaign. Uh, Some of them can be unavoidable. like Someone moves away. Someone gets a new job and their schedule just doesn't work with the rest of the groups anymore. Someone becomes busy with other activities, uh, family things, whatever. And then there's the not so good things where maybe a player gets frustrated and quits for one reason or another. Maybe uh, a player isn't gelling as well as you hoped with the rest of the party and they get frustrated and leave uh, or you know sometimes maybe someone leaves because of the play style of another player or it happens even the play style of a dm mm-hmm. and so if if that's the case and you're dming that's on you you need to either find a group that enjoys your play style or you need to take constructive feedback on some of the stuff you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if, it's, if it's a player though, there's a lot of reasons a player uh, can quit. And of course, uh, you want to try, especially if you be, be aware, keep your eyes open. If there's hints or if there's, you know, something that is making them uncomfortable or something that they're not enjoying, talk to them about it. It's really good to get that kind of feedback. Potentially you can fix it before it becomes an issue. And then it's, it's not a big deal, but regardless of the reason it happens. And so then you're left with,
1: what do I do? Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, there's, like I said before, there's, there's quite a few different things that, that can happen. And I think the the first and foremost, the thing that you need to talk to everybody about is, um, is this something where we can continue the campaign? You know um, if the person's leaving, are they able to, you know, come in back in through discord or uh, can you look at rescheduling? I mean, this is just the, the bare minimum. Oh, there's a change. What can we do to kind of work around it and everything? If it turns out that it's just not possible and that one person or two people or however many do have to actually stop playing, is this uh, something that is going to completely end the campaign? You know, are there enough people left over to continue the story? Um, The person who's leaving, are they okay with that? Because even though they're not there anymore, like it's not exactly the best feeling to be all like, oh, well they're gone, but whatever, we don't care anymore about them. We're just going to keep playing this continued story that they helped build to begin with. So, you know, keep everybody's, you know, the kind of thoughts and feelings in perspective when you're looking at some of these, these, you know, possibilities of things to do. So if that's, you know, something that can happen, the campaign can go on. Obviously you're going to need to make some sort of adjustments to it, whether it's okay, you know, we had a group of four, one person's leaving. Now we have a group of three, you know, that that's a, a smaller little shift versus, Okay, um, five people are leaving out of my seven people campaign. I don't think this is going to work with two anymore.
0: Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it, really comes down to where you're at in the story. Um, whether uh, the rest of the people, like you said, want to continue or not—that is a—that is a big factor, um, and whether you can make it work. I mean, in theory. All you need is one other person. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, the the new starter set, uh, Dragon of Ispire Peak, came out with rules specifically for one-on-one D&D. Now, if you're down to one person, that may not be super realistic uh, or the person may not be comfortable doing something like that. That's uh, a very case-by-case basis. But at the same time, it just goes to show you can technically survive (laughs) with just one player. Uh, It's just more can you? And so uh, just to kind of give an example, because uh, I've actually, my main campaign has been kind of a recipient of this. I started out with uh, four players and four I found is a really, really good number of players because um, it's just it's very balanced you can get a a good class set a lot of the rules of d and d are very balanced as, at least as far as like c r and combat and stuff like that are balanced against a fourish player party um and it's it's very manageable especially for a new dm uh we had gotten through a large arc and we uh, two, two of the four players, one of them went back to school and that pretty much destroyed all his time and so he had to bow out. And then one got a job, the schedule changed completely and he had to bow out. So I'm left with two people now um, and I'm trying to figure out, can we still make this work? And it's it's hard. We took we took uh, a few month break from that, and I kind of messaged the other two people, and I was like, "Hey guys, do you, do you still want to try and make this work? Because if we're going to do it, we need to, you know, do it soon." Mm-hmm. And they they both said they were still interested, and so that's when I made the decision to try and find a, a third person because I I wanted to really have at minimum three to make this this interesting. So I was able to find someone else that uh, I had played with before. And that's, that's a good tip. It's, it's much easier to pull a person in. If you know them, know their personality, especially if you've played with them before Mm -hmm. and know that they would or wouldn't mesh into an existing campaign with existing players. So I brought him in and it turned out really good. We ended up uh, being able to go. And then a little ways down the road, I added a fourth person and it, it started going really good. And they, I was really happy with four again. And then one of our guys got crazy busy with work and was going back to school. And so he only started being able to make it every once in a while. So we're starting to get to the point where I'm back down to three again. And as a DM, you never want to have to play your player's character's too much exactly it, it, it can get it can get really rough and it can uh really spoil some things or make some decisions very awkward because you don't really want to play for them a lot of times uh unless i've talked over specific things with the player they'll be more on autopilot than than anything uh so i ended up adding uh another player in and then one of my original players was done with school and invited him back. in. so now I have six and I was like, Oh, this will work out really well. Cause my whole, my whole thing was we're only playing once a month. And that's, that's one thing you can kind of think about too. Uh, D and D games can survive on one session a month. Yeah. Your group your group has to be dedicated and ready to play for the four or five hours you can get together once a month, but it can be done. And I've been doing it for two years, and it's and it's worked out pretty well so far, to, to be completely honest. But I added I added a few more people. I I always and one thing I I always asked my group before I added anybody, if it was okay, that's, that's a big thing. You want to make sure you have buy-in from your group. If you're going to add a new player, because otherwise there could be uh, bad, bad issues potentially. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you want to make sure you have that buy-in from the rest of your players. But I, I did that. Um, and this is, this is a strategy you can have potentially to keep games flowing is you have a few more people than you necessarily need. That way people can come in and out as schedules um, permit. You can actually set a monthly or whatever date and say, throw it out there. Okay. The majority of people are saying yes to this. It's going to be this date. Try and make it then. And so I figured this way I would always have at least, you know, three or four people at every session. And that would really balance things out. Ironically, every session, except for one, since I went to six people, everyone has been able to make. So (laughs) I've been now dealing with, uh, on the norm, a six person party. And that's been an adjustment for me. Uh, But it's also been really fun as uh, the party really ended up meshing very well. So you can, you can get a lot of benefit out of it, but, all that, all that to say it can be done.
1: Exactly. I mean, just to, to, you know, jump on a point, I've been running a campaign for in April, it'll be two years and we've been doing, uh, at, at, uh, worst once a month. Well, actually, no, I wouldn't say that at best guaranteed once a month at worst, once every couple or three months based on, uh, you know, whether it's a busy season or whatever. And, uh, Looking at, uh, I actually have uh, all my my session notes pulled up and everything. We've had 19 sessions over two years, which that's not too bad. You know, I'm actually pretty happy about that. Um, you know, they, they've leveled from three to seven. So, you know, we're on our way that's to good. doing stuff. I've actually had 21
0: sessions in in two years. Not bad, not so, bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it just goes to show if you get the right group and the right mindset, you can do it. You can make that work. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be, one of these live play pro- podcasts, you don't have to be critical role in play every week. Mm-hmm. That's, that is actually, a I mean, very that's everybody's un- dream. <laughs> un- that's, that's the dream, but that is probably not the norm.
1: Yeah. In fact, you know, funny thing, I'm looking at the dates for, uh, for these files and everything. So I've got, okay, December date. And then the next one is a March. And then coming back to uh, last year, December date. And then next one is the day before March. So it's like once december hits we're we're at a session for like two or three months because again that's the busy time for all of us, so yeah, just it it's continued on and it's still going, and gosh i can't wait for the next session but um now here's the thing it, it's absolutely great that you know you're able to be as flexible as you are, pull new people in, and uh, you know kind of shuffle it around, and then I, I think you've had like the best Uh, possible outcome of all of this is having people come back after they've had to step away. That's something that I absolutely love uh, the fact that it's happened. But if you're not able to actually go along and do something with that, then you have to start looking at ways to actually end the campaign. And this is where things could be tough, especially if you've got, you know, this big, Really cool story arc that you've been working on or trying to go through, um, you know if uh, you, you've got all these plans and then you know the one person leaving is like kind of the key to unlocking some of the stuff and and things like that that's when being the DM is one of the easiest and hardest jobs because at that point you can completely change everything to make the next session, your final session, you know, they could be in the middle of a forest and it turns out that's where the big bad evil guy is. And they were lucky and stumbled upon them and saved the whole land or something. Um, Yeah. It's kind of a little bit of a cop out, but in order to give a a really good final adventure, that's a a possibility of something to do. Um, Yeah. If you um, get the
0: chance, having a satisfying ending, because you're not always
1: going to get the chance for that final session. Exactly. But In it's, fact,
0: it's, you,
1: yeah, you go all out. And I mean, if you're not able to, you know, neatly tie up a bow on, you know, the campaign that you're running to have that final session, you know what? Run a one shot with these characters that takes place after what happens you can you know give them a backstory of like hey this happened it was awesome you know have a really cool uh thing that happened with each of the players so that you know they can know what their characters did to end this awesome arc that you were on and then do a really fun one shot to to have like a final goodbye farewell for everything Um, it's funny because uh, i'm looking at it kind of like uh did you ever play the mass effect trilogy of course. Okay, I mean, good I, because it is the best pop, game series ever made. Yeah, games,
0: best game series of
1: all time. Yeah. So when I play through that, you know, I I love the the epicness and the scale of the 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 you know the story that spans over the three different games and everything. I go through, I play it, I beat it, get the ending, and I'm all done and everything. And then I play the Citadel DLC because to me that's the perfect end cap to that entire story even though it takes place technically before the end. you know look at your campaign something along the or something along those lines you've done this great thing you've saved the world now you're going to have a fun side adventure to cap it off everybody's going to end up you know nice and happy and satisfied and you know focus on that camaraderie that you've had that that's grown throughout the campaign that you've been playing for either, you know, a really long time or even a little bit of time, you know, just get together, enjoy each other's company and really focus on that as opposed to, okay, well, you know, that character's leaving. So obviously we need to kill them unless for some reason, that's what that person really wants. They want to go out on some sort of huge epic death, you know, kind of talk to the players, get an idea of, of, If everything's ending, what do they want out of it? And you can craft something that is just satisfying for everybody. And, you know, at that point, once it's over, it's going to be remembered as, you know what, this campaign that I was in with this group of friends, we had a blast, we had to end it, and guess what? You'll never guess what happened. And it's going to be the stuff of legends for as long as they're playing role-playing games. Or, you know, just hang out and grab a pizza and some beer or something and uh, just have fun. You know, whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, uh, this is this is one of those things as a as a DM that... All all time played if you had fun is not a waste of time. Exactly. Even if you never never hit the end of the campaign. So you have to keep that in view. But as a as a DM, when one door closes, you know, you potentially have the opportunity again with uh, perhaps some of the same people or perhaps another group. And as a DM, especially if you're running a homebrew world versus say a module or something you can then use even that shortened or that cut-off campaign uh, to shape your world for a subsequent campaign so that that game can then continue to live on the, the deeds and the actions of those players shaping things that uh, these other players may play uh, even if they never know. Mm-hmm. And you can have those cool stories even if the, you never, you know, quote unquote, reached your destination with that group. So there's, there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, the, the very, the, the very kind of worst one that we really haven't talked about much yet is the, the abrupt ending. Yeah. And so <clears throat> that can happen when, you know, a player just quits uh, or several players quit, or people just lose interest and stop showing up. Sometimes you're just going to have to throw your cards in and nothing gets resolved. It's, it's not a happy ending. And uh, sometimes uh, you'll be the only one that cares about that. And it's very unfortunate. And I don't wish that on anybody, but, but that does happen sometimes. If you do have players that care, even if they're they're ready to stop um, after after a blow up or after after a player leaves or um, loss of interest, uh, one thing I've I've read about that I've I've thought is really interesting is uh, either talking to the players or the DM themselves writing uh, like an epilogue that is just basically a here's here's the closure this character went off and did this thing this character went off and did this thing and so on and so forth so that you have that that cap Mm -hmm. uh on on the campaign itself even if no one but you reads it even if uh you just distribute it to a, a few players who are just like that's cool or even if you just ask uh whoever's left what would, what would your character end up doing? And then you end up writing out a little something about it. Um, It can be even, like I said, even no one else cares. It can be good for you because then you can say, this is how the campaign ended, or you can then use that as a homebrew thing and potentially the next campaign you run in your world that can matter, or maybe that, Old player characters show up as NPCs or something like that, uh, just over time. So it's, there's lots of different things you can do. It's never it's never
1: your first choice,
0: but there are a lot of things you can do to make it
1: better. Exactly. I really like the idea of having your uh, your Sandlot ending where you find out what happened to everybody, and uh, you know, just like little little bit of narration on everything. It's kind of cool. That's also a good
0: way to wrap up a fully actual ended campaign.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, eventually once my players, uh, you know, if we keep going, which I really hope we do, you know, get to level 20 and everything and they've done whatever masterful works that they've done and they're turning into gods or whatever. um, I definitely want to have a, Hey, what are you guys doing after you're, you're retiring from adventure? You've lived an extraordinary life and, you know, just kind of go through and, and talk about it and, you know, laugh about it and have some fun. And, you know, again, I, one of the things that, um, you know, we take for granted is how attached you become to the different player characters that you're playing, especially in a long-term campaign and you know if if you're a player obviously you have the character that you're playing and that you absolutely love uh, the dm i mean all the npcs that you create and stuff you 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 really feel for them sometimes but even more so like guiding and creating this world for your players to play in and and seeing their pcs grow and change and and, and everything it it gives you like just this this whole sense of warmth knowing that hey you know what They've gone through, they've done their time and they're living now just enjoying life and stuff. I mean, it's like, it's just a, a warm fuzzy feeling to the end of a campaign, which I mean, I've never experienced yet, but I've dreamed about it. And of course I've seen it on a, a couple different different, <laughs> uh, you know, like podcasts and everything. And it's just, it, it's really cool. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, whenever that is in like, what, 10 years or something. Exactly. When
0: we, when we finally get to those points after however many uh, years of once a month sessions. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, uh, if you've got any good, good uh, or ill stories of campaign <laughs> uh, endings that you've experienced, we'd love to hear them. Mm-hmm. We'd love to to kind of talk about them and see, see what you did. So uh, be sure to tweet at us or write in to us uh, an email that Ben will get you at the end of the show. Exactly. All right. So next we are going to jump into our player character side of things and talk uh, a brief bit about Barbarians. Oh, my gosh. Barbarians. Uh, this is a super fun class. Uh, I have played uh, one or two myself. Uh, my favorite one-shot character ever was was a barbarian. Um, barbarians have kind of the uh, the stereotype of big, burly. Uh, they're going to be this this tank-like thing. Uh, mechanically, for the most part. Uh, they are one of the quote unquote easier classes to play in terms of the the amount of things you have to do versus say like a sorcerer or a wizard mm-hmm. or a cleric or someone you have to keep all these track of all these spells and stuff. So so if you're if you're wanting something um less complicated, uh Barbarians are are really great for that. They also have the distinction of being the only class with a D12 hit die. Which is amazing. Yeah, they have the potentially highest health pool that you can get uh, for any character in the game. And there's, there's a lot of different ways you can play them uh, depending on the different subclasses you can take. You can actually take very high damage barbarian. Uh, you can play a high damage barbarian style or you can play a very tanky type defensive barbarian style
1: yeah that being said even the defensive barbarian style is pretty high damage once you start gaining some levels too i mean it's absolutely amazing Uh, like at ninth level you get something called brutal critical which means you get to add another weapon die to your critical strike so you have your normal attack you know you double it or whatever but you throw another die in there and that's even more damage i mean For someone who's defensive, that is a huge, huge extra bit of damage that you throw in there. But even more so, um, one of the things that I really like about Barbarians is the fact that they are kind of simple, but at the same time, they have a whole lot of risk versus reward going on in their play style. Um, First of all, I mean, if anybody has heard uh, Grog, his catchphrase is, I would like to rage. and you, you start raging. That means that as long as you're raging and you're in battle, um, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage is halved. But there's a catch to that. You have to stay raging in order for that to happen, which means you need to be attacked or you need to make an attack. Otherwise, you lose that benefit. So sometimes you might have to actually like really creatively sit there and think, okay, when's the best time to do this? Am I going to be able to, you know, maintain my rage if I'm fighting something that is running and has a, you know, like a faster move speed than me, you know? Uh, Will I be within range to make some sort of attack, whether it's thrown or like a bow and arrow or something along those lines? Um, Are there going to be things attacking me? Will I be able to keep this up the whole time? Um, depending on what primal path you take, you actually might be able to uh, uh, go into a frenzied rage at level three. But the thing is, you have to be careful about that. If it's early in the day and this is your first fight, you go into a rage and then you jump into a frenzied rage. Once the battle's over and you're out of that rage, you have a level of exhaustion. You know, you, you have to really kind of think through some of these things. Uh, even more so, something that I absolutely love is the fact that uh, a Barbarian, they get something at level two. It's just, it, it's, it's level two. It's just a small little thing called a reckless attack. And basically, at that point, you get advantage on every attack you make if you choose. But the downside is, is that any attack against you is also made at advantage because, you know, you're reckless. You have, you know, you're throwing all caution to the wind as you're attacking. So high risk, high reward. Exactly. So there's a lot going into barbarians that make it. Yeah, it it is simple. Like you said, but at the same time, you do have to start really looking at the whole situation before you make some of these decisions. And that's one of the things critical thinking. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of uh, learning to assess the situation, figuring out, do I rage here? I can only rage a certain amount of times per day. Um, will it will it do any good? I do get advantage on on strength stuff. I get resistance to this damage. I get to add a little bit of extra damage while I'm raging. It's, it's really good. Do I recklessly attack this thing uh, because I need to hit it? Uh, and then maybe it doesn't have a, a very good chance of of hitting me or maybe I'm recklessly attacking a spellcaster that doesn't use a whole lot of like attack rolls. It's more They've been focusing more on saving throws or this thing is focused more on saving throws. So maybe it won't uh, make that big of a difference to me, but it'll give me that advantage. So yeah, there's a lot of really uh, cool strategic things that you can do with a, with a barbarian. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of that, it's just like, like every, class uh, barbarians have subclasses and subclass you get to pick your primal path and that's something you do at level three and there's just all sorts of absolutely uh there's there's some really cool Unearthed Arcana ones out now there's like five or six different paths you can pick just in uh in your base play with uh with the books that are out right now Mm -hmm. um i actually personally have a path of the ancestral guardian barbarian in my game i play now and if you are wanting a more tanky defensive type barbarian holy crap this is this is the dude for you (laughs) because man this this subclass has broken Encounters of mine, and I've had to to kind of learn to sometimes uh, play around it. And <clears throat> I want to I want to give a little bit of a of a caveat here because side note, as DMs, I know it's tempting to try and outsmart the players and counter all their stuff, but and that's okay to do sometimes. But as a DM our main goal is to see the players succeed. The monsters were running, not so much, mm-hmm. but as a DM, I want my players to succeed and have fun. And so part of that is me letting their cool stuff be cool and not just constantly circumventing either the cool stuff I've given them or the cool stuff that their class has. Sometimes, exactly. sure, but don't make a habit of it
1: because that is just not fun. Yeah, um, sure. I might have a character who has counterspell. I'm not going to use my reaction every single round to counterspell someone who's casting spells on me. That's just not fair. That's not nice. Of course, yeah. barbarians don't really cast that many spells, but you know, same same difference.
0: Yeah, but man, this this freaking ancestral guardian. And level three, when you, just, when, you, when you pick this thing, like I said, this is, this is like ultimate, one of the ultimate tank barbarians. While you're raging, the first creature you hit on your turn becomes the target of these spectral warriors that kind of follow you around. And until the start of your next turn, that target has disadvantage on any attack roll that isn't <laughs> against you. And when he does hit somebody else, the creature's resistance to the damage dealt. Dang, like, at level 3 that's pretty amazing. It's it's insane. And so I've I've learned over time if I throw a single big baddie at them, as long as this as my barbarian is raging and they hit, I have disadvantage to attack anybody else but him. And even if I do, it all the damage is halved. It is this this particular subclass is absolutely incredibly powerful against small groups of big enemies. And so that's that's a really interesting kind of play style and a really, really cool thing you can do with it.
1: Yeah, the thing that I actually really like, uh, I had for a very short time, I had a Path of the Storm Herald Barbarian. I didn't get to level three, but I was so looking forward to it. So uh, the Path of the Storm uh, Herald you basically get some sort of storm aura around you when you rage. And the thing is is that you choose what you want. Yeah. You either choose like desert, sea or tundra. And based on whichever one you choose, there's really cool stuff that happens. Uh, Like the, for the desert, you you cause fire damage around you in that aura. If you choose sea, you can like uh, have lightning damage, attacking things and stuff. Um, but what's, what's even better is that once you get, you know, deeper and deeper into it, um, like at 6th level, you get Storm Soul, which just, you know, adds more onto, you know, whatever effects you have. Like, this is amazing for the sea, you know, how you're shooting lightning and stuff. At 6th level, you get resistance to lightning damage, which, you know, only makes sense. But at that point, you can also breathe underwater. Like, how cool is that? Just all of a sudden, oh, I'm just a barbarian, and I can breathe underwater. It's just nice, um, you know. It as you go further and further down at uh, 10th level, you get some cool stuff. 14th, you get cool stuff. You know, just like every other path that you get. Um, another uh, 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 primal path that I actually think is really cool, which I almost took instead, is the totem warrior. And this is the one where you kind of have uh, essentially. Like you know, like a spirit guide or a spirit animal that, you know, kind of uh pushes you or or dictates how you're you're playing and how your moves are and and you know what sort of essence you're kind of taking. Um, you know, this is something where like just as as a uh example in on D beyond they've got bear, eagle, elk, tiger, and wolf. Um, I know in Critical Role they've added a, a duck as a totem spirit. Yes. Um,
0: and, <laughs> that's, and then
1: that's on DM's Guild. Yeah, oh my gosh. actually, actually download it. It is. Oh, that's fun stuff. It's hilarious. But I mean, just all this, all these different paths and, and uh, everything that you can take, it really opens up barbarian to more than just you know a, a, a muscly meat shield. You know, there's so many different types of playstyle, and you know, just like how when we were talking about fighters, how it's just, like just oh, it's just more than just you know attack over and over again this adds depth of character into whatever path you're choosing to go down. And it's something that I think is just absolutely amazing that one of the simplest classes still has all this complexity as well as, you know, having to critically think about what you're doing with the risk versus reward uh, situations that you're getting into and just everything overall. Um, barbarians
0: are cool. Uh, my, uh barbarian character is uh is actually a one shot character that i use just uh almost whenever i get invited to one shots just because he's super fun uh and he is a bear totem warrior oh, nice. which is if you want to feel like the ultimate like awesome dude bear totem warriors uh barbarians uh get while they're raging, get resistance to all damage types except psychic. Nice. Yeah, you wanna you wanna frustrate a DM, <laughs> or make him throw psychic things against you?
1: Play a play a bear totem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm looking at that right there. Level
0: three. Level three. Whoa. So they uh, lots of lots of potential HP. Just from being able to resist half damage on absolutely everything, so that's <laughs> that's a, a super fun one if you want to feel like super invincible and be able to take on just like a ton of stuff at the same time but yeah barbarians barbarians are a lot of fun i I highly recommend it's it's a very different play style mm-hmm. and just about any, anything else even even more so than fighters. Uh, it is a very different play style. So, if you're looking for a fun, like martial class,
1: barbarians are super great, definitely. And uh, always make sure you try to have some sort of ranged weapon with you too. I I cannot stress that enough because if you're trying to maintain your rage, but something's out of melee from you, you Bring need to Cavalans. have Exactly, you need to have something to keep that going. <laughs> cool. Well,
0: go play a barbarian. Yes. If we had time, we would, but. Oh my gosh, don't. I would love to play a barbarian again. It would, uh, it would be a lot of fun. Sadly, you can only do so many things at a time. And that's, that's why D&D is awesome. It's, going to keep, it's, it's got enough content that it's going to keep me completely uh, experiencing new things
1: for years exactly and i mean years and years to come it just just every subclass of every class is enough to keep you going for a long time much less everything that they keep adding to it like in unearth unearthed arcana much less everything that's official that's being released all the time and i mean there's just there's always something oh totally uh so before we jump into
0: talking a little bit about some of the games that we're doing. Ben, what is our uh, community content shout out this week? Uh,
1: Well, if you're a big fan of barbarians, one of the most popular or famous ones that uh, you might know of would be Grog Strongjaw, which uh, if you don't know that name, I highly recommend you check out this week's community, a community feature. There's a little show out there called critical role. Now, you may have heard this before. You may not have. It is actually a group of uh, pretty popular voice actors who started playing D&D together uh, just as kind of a lark for uh, Liam O'Brien's birthday one year. This was like seven, eight years ago, something like that. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. But they had so much fun playing in that first session that they just started getting together. We know when they could, which if I remember correctly, they were doing about maybe once a month or so, you know, that seems to be a very uh, popular feature or, you know, schedule for us this episode. It's a Um, a thing. Yeah. So they were trying to get together about once a month, to play and everything. Um, And it just kind of grew into this, this great huge thing that they were having a lot of fun with. And then, Geek & Sundry approached them and, you know, offered them uh, basically just a live stream of their games because, you know, they, they would tweet things out or show different things and uh, everybody was always excited and having a lot of fun. And so they kind of discussed it and talked about it and uh, agreed. And then five years ago today, when we're recording this, Critical Role aired for the very first time. And, Uh, I do have to say that it is one of, if not the most popular uh, Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop RPG games that is currently being played for an audience today. Um, It's, it, it has some fantastic actors and actresses in it. They're a ton of fun to watch. And the, 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 DMing style and uh, storytelling and everything that Matt Mercer does is something that is like 20 levels above anywhere I could ever be. So you learn a lot just by watching and enjoying it, but even more so the storyline and everything that they've done is just so entertaining and fun that it's turned into just this incredibly huge phenomenon like so much so that last year they put out a Kickstarter to, you know, try to make an animated series and it became the most funded Kickstarter in what is it, like the, the entertainment genre or something like that.
0: Yeah. something Like, like that,
1: ever. And so because of that, we're going to be able to see two, at least two seasons of a, a uh, critical role Vox a cartoon on Amazon prime. Which is pretty dang cool. I'm
0: very excited for that later this year. that will be really good. And I, I've got to give a, a, a big shout out to Critical Role too because they were one of the reasons uh, that I got into D&D. Because mm-hmm. uh, I just randomly... Because I, I followed some of these these people before I I played D&D. Like you said, they're, uh, several of them are, are fairly popular voice actors as well. And every once in a while, I would... See them doing the you know critical role live stream, and so I would jump on every once in a while. And it's just like, man, those things are long. But <laughs> whenever I turned it on, I would usually I I would have no idea what was going on for quite a while. But I was always like kind of entranced in what they were doing and the story they were telling. And it was just very engrossing and very interesting. And so I started watching from the from the beginning and I ended up getting caught up before the first campaign ended. Mm -hmm. And I was able to watch the, the last, uh, several months of that one live as, as they were wrapping it up. And it was, it was just a really cool experience. And now being here from the beginning of, uh, of the second campaign they're running and just seeing all these different characters that, uh, are, are so interesting and have, have such great diversity. I'm, uh, I'm very uh, thankful to them for for getting me into this, uh, or pointing me to this hobby that I love so much now.
1: Yeah, and th- the funny thing is, is that they've got they brought a ton of people into Dungeons and Dragons. You know, they're I would say one of the best goodwill ambassadors out there. Um, you know, I had kind of played before, and then you know stopped for a very long time, and then once I started getting into Critical Role, I'm like, I really need to play again because it just once you see how much fun they're having and you know some of the the, the twists and turns and great places that they go you just want to be a part of that in some way yeah, i mean yeah you
0: want to have that too
1: yeah and the thing is too is that you know th- there's uh people out there who you know oh well, they script it or they figure out what they're going to do in a session beforehand everything like that but no what you're watching is pure Dungeons and Dragons to the point where some of the stuff that happens is so insane and off the rails that there's no way that they could ever plan for some of that stuff. And if you're able to, um, definitely check out critroll.com, that's their website, but even more so, Um, If you've just experienced campaign two, I recommend campaign one. There's like so much action and adventure going on in that, that it's amazing. Campaign two also just so fun. And the best part about it is that both those campaigns are so different that... I mean, there it's almost as if, you know, entirely different people are playing them because the characters are so different in between them. Mm-hmm. And uh it's just it's a lot of fun. And like I could gush about it for a very long time, but it's it's something that I basically told my uh <laughs> my my family, hey, you should listen to this podcast because it's almost like, you know, an audiobook or a movie. It's it's so good, it's fantasy-based but it's a really long story and it goes places. Like I don't know how many times I could tell you I've actually cried from like campaign one and some of the bits in campaign two. And I mean, it, it really gets you. Yeah, it does. Really and you know, stuff. if someone doesn't want to, we'll soon be able to say, well, you can go watch the TV show. Exactly. And Hey, that might be a perfect place to start too. You, you don't know. That's true. All right,
0: well, before we wrap up, we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about uh, our game. So Ben, uh, I know you've got to play since last time <laughs> you yes. recorded an episode. Uh, what's, what have you been doing in your games?
1: Oh my gosh. So I am so proud of and amazed at my players. So what happened before uh the previous session is you know they they cleared up all the bad stuff that was going on in the town of sunrise they made their way out they're going to the town of midday to figure out what was going on with uh you know that that whole farming community there were reports of orcs attacking not knowing what was going on so they they got into town uh, stumbled upon some orcs took them out were, were uh, pulled into a barn by like the, this resistance group. And that's where the session ended previously. So session started up. They found out some great information um, about, you know, kind of what was going on. Uh, the orcs had come, they, they'd actually invaded the town and taken up, you know, uh, positions of, of uh, you know, just defense and everything up to like basically about a certain line. It was almost like they they cut the town in half and they were just kind of holding there. They weren't, you know, moving forward and slaughtering everything. It's almost like they started up and then were just defensive at that point. So then there is uh, some talk with villagers about, you know, why this was happening now, what was going on. Um, and there was a dragon that was, you know, basically protecting the town but lived up north and everything that stopped all the orcs from ever leaving the their area where they were except something's happened the dragon's no longer there you know the the, the players are kind of curious and you know wondering what's going to happen with that and everything um but about a week or two before that happened a wizard had come into town and was offering to you know put protective runes and everything on the buildings in case of some sort of danger, so they investigated these runes that were on every single building. there were orcs just kind of over there, just you know kind of defensively, and there 's a missing dragon, so what to do right so uh, they had a, a nice, good long rest. They set up a, a tiny hut just kind of like almost on the border of, uh, you know, Orc Town, which is what we called it. And then in the oh, morning, right. yeah, in the morning, the cleric cast tongues on our paladin and she went to go talk to the orcs. So after talking with them and discussing, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, why are they attacking? What's going on? And, and they kind of noticed that these orcs, they weren't like super muscular, you know, muscle bound orcs and everything like that. But they were, they looked like they might be kind of malnourished. Um, and what they wanted was food. Because the dragon had trapped them to where they were, you know, kind of in their region and stuff, they aren't really farmers. And they were running out of game. So once the dragon left, for whatever reasons, they went out to try to find sources of food and everything to take back to their village and, and to, to do everything that they could. So over the course of a couple days, um, my players brokered a deal between the orcs and the townspeople. And the orcs, since the dragon's gone, they're going to help protect the town in exchange for payment for food and everything. And this... wow, Right? I mean, there were some really good persuasion roles. Um, uh, Our paladin just RP'd the hell out of it, which I mean, I I was just amazed at. I thought she was great. And even more so, um, you know, like this is a thing that's happening now. And because of this, it's gonna change the entire northern region of this area. And I'm so excited to see what, you know, what's gonna come of it. Is is this truce that that they're brokering, is it gonna stay? what happens when the dragon comes back. Um, You know, I already have ideas of what's going to happen, which I I can't share now because, you know, it's just starting. It's brand new, but I was just so incredibly proud of this. I mean, I had uh, about like four different scenarios of what could possibly happen, like kind of planned out just in case, you know, uh, like battle wise that I had prepped. I've, I had, Um, a map set up with everything. I had, uh, you know, stats for a bunch of different encounters just in case, you know, because you want to be as prepped as you can. And, you know, again, I had no idea which way it was going to go. I thought it's a possibility that, you know, who knows, maybe the broker, you know, trade between them or something like that, but that actually happened. And it was amazing. You know, there was no battling whatsoever. Well, except for, a magically summoned giant goat tried to steal the pants from the, the chief orc. But that that's, that's something else because you know, D and D. Yeah. <Very D&D. laughs> yeah. So while that was happening, then my warlock, my cleric and my bard were going through there trying to dispel the runes that were on the doors because they figured, Hey, this, um, this, wizard comes into town like a week or two before bad stuff starts happening basically trying to protect them from bad stuff. Something's weird here. Something's going on. And through, you know, the world of magic, because I'm the DM and I could, you know, make magical effects happen. However I want the, the, the bard was trying to dispel one of these runes, which I, I had, you know, whatever spell level I wanted it to be before she even started. But unfortunately she was not able to uh, dispel any of them until finally with the work of like the warlock and the cleric, um, they were able to, to, you know, dispel one of them, like kind of to break it. And because of the warlocks pact and uh, everything, he was kind of able to see like the, the, not exactly the ley lines, but like kind of like, like think like the, the, um, uh, quantum strands of something of, of these runes mm. was able to identify that it was some sort of necromatic energy and kind of saw the direction of where they were going which was towards the mage tower that's to the east which probably is where that, that wizard came from so after uh, they had like a good tenuous piece going on they got back in their cart and started heading east towards the uh, mage tower very cool and holy crap, was it amazing. <laughs> that's exciting.
0: And sometimes, you know, sometimes the best sessions are the ones where combat really just never happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of really good RP throughout the whole thing. But I mean, it it was great. And they were really creative with things that they did. And I mean, I was proud of all of them. It it was amazing. Mm, that's, that's a good feeling. That was a good feeling. Yeah. And now I can't wait for the next session because yeah. holy crap, they're getting start seeing some really cool stuff happen
0: mm. Yeah, the next session
1: always never comes soon enough i know it's going to be april 4th i i want it to be sooner
0: yep it sounds like so long away my next one isn't going to be till like
1: mid-april oh man i'm sorry i know it's us uh let me know what's going on though, because I know that you played and I am actually really curious because you've got some really cool plot threads going.
0: Yeah. So this, this session, the, uh, the group delved deeper into the mountain to figure out where the, uh, the giant threat was coming from and, uh, try and stop it on their way. They met, uh, two very hungry, behirs. Ooh, who, uh, mixed up their combat a little bit because it was in much closer quarters since they were in this large abandoned mine shaft. And uh, so there was, you know, lightning breath to deal with and kind of burrowing around their, their different holes and stuff like that. Uh, One of one of my barbarian got swallowed by the (laughs) hero. So that was, that was super fun. Uh, And it all culminated with uh, them landing the killing blow and uh, the floor basically destabilizing and dropping them into this chamber down below. Oh man! And, and this is this is pretty ridiculous right now because uh, I have run them. This is the longest they've ever been, and the most they've had to fight in between having an actual long rest. <laughs> so they're they're pretty they're pretty tapped right now. Um, and it's, it's been kind of good because it, it's, it's been really good to kind of show them the, you know, some, sometimes it's not just going to be, you wake up, you do a big battle, you get to go to sleep, get all your stuff back, wake up, you mm-hmm. do a big battle, use all your stuff, go to sleep, get it back. Exactly. Um, so they've had three or four different combat encounters, uh, since their last long rest. Uh, between like the skill challenge and uh, a few different combat encounters and uh, the one with the giants last session, which was Mm self-inflicted really. I gave them, (laughs) gave them the out for that, but of course that didn't happen. Uh, So they fall into this thing and uh, this is the beginning of my mini dungeon, the dwarven tomb. Ooh. And uh, they were able to find, I was finally able to give them a little bit of loot. They were able to find the bodies of like, other dead workers or adventurers that the behirs had gotten. Mm -hmm. Uh, Found some cool stuff. One item that I've been trying to give one of the guys for a while now, but he's just never, they've just never searched. (laughs) I don't know know why, but they just never searched. And then hilariously I, I had just to kind of, you know, for flavor, in this chamber, there was two stone uh, sarcophaguses that mm-hmm. just had uh, bones of dwarves. In them. Oh. Uh, nothing, nothing really special, just, you know, set dressing as far as the DM is concerned. Uh, as far as players are concerned, though, uh, trust your players to always make the biggest deal out of the tiniest details that you give them. Uh, they literally had a morality play for like 30 minutes doing all sorts of different things in trying to figure out or trying to convince it was kind of three and three trying to convince the other side to open the tombs <laughs> to open the sarcophaguses and they they just did all sorts of stuff they they came to just like they were just like in character they were just like kind of yelling at each other one of the one of the guys cast fog cloud around the whole thing and went up and tried to push the thing open, but the the big fighter monk stood in his way, and he's just a weak little elf ranger, so he couldn't push it open. And it, it finally boiled down to they finally got them open, and they were just bones. So that was <laughs> absolutely ridiculous and hilarious, and uh, that's just my players. So That's pretty they, awesome. I like that. <laughs> it was it was really funny. Uh, so they end up going out. I've got this whole big, uh, this whole big tomb area built out, and one of the one of the cool things I did, and this is this is kind of a, a tip for you to do, uh, if places have been explored or inhabited before, make it look like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I they found a trap that had been triggered, long ago. Ah, uh, this huge hammer had fallen from the ceiling, and there was only bones of like half a half a body under underneath <laughs> it, it they'd been smashed yeah. essentially they kind of show, hey, other people have potentially been here before um, and then our rogue found the only other pit trap in the room by falling into it, so that was that was fun. Our rogue had a really bad night of rolls but it was very amusing for me. (laughs) Um, And then the, the only other, the only thing they ended up uh, doing, and I say the only thing, uh, all this, all this seems like just a little bit, but it takes a lot more time than you would think. They ended up finding this giant vault room. They were able to get in. uh, And then I had this puzzle set up, which was basically these four pillars um, and these gears in the four corners of the room with little slots leading up to the ceiling, but the, the ropes had long decayed. And so, and then a little, a little like inscription note on a table in the middle of the room uh, that said something to the effect of uh, the sun, something about the sun's light uh, not shining, but uh, uh, the, its light would still be made known, essentially referring to the moon yeah um and so through the the course of of time they kind of deciphered a few of these things and figured out uh using a potion of climbing they had found getting ropes they had up and through these holes attached to these little these panels in the ceiling and bringing them back down to the gears wind the gears open these panels and then if it's nighttime which it happened to be nighttime they were talking about potentially doing a long rest and i was just like oh well this is the the uh the puzzle isn't going to work in the sun so that would have <laughs> been interesting if, that had, if they had tried to do that but they opened it up moonlight shows down to these pillars and i placed uh four pieces of blank paper out on the table turned all the lights off and then clicked on my uh black light that showed the invisible ink on the four pieces of paper. One of the coolest effects I've ever done. That is really I worked, cool. I worked really hard for this one. Uh, and on each of the four pieces of paper was a riddle. And so they had to solve each of the four riddles to unlock this large vault in the back of the room that didn't have any actual like other way to unlock it. Yeah. So, uh, over, over the next several minutes, they, they puzzled out all the, the riddles. And the trick is you can't make them too easy, but you have to make sure they're not too hard or that you have a way to hint at them mm-hmm. so that they are solvable. Because it is not fun for a D&D party to be stuck in a puzzle room for forever. Because the knowledge that their characters have the players don't necessarily have. Like I yeah. might be playing someone with 20 int, but I might not have 20 int <laughs> in real life. So you have to, you have to be, you have to strike that, that delicate balance. They figured it out. The vault opens. They got a bunch of gems. They got this magical, uh, magically locked box uh, that has a very high DC to be able to uh, figure it out and unlock it magically. Uh, so even with the 23 that our artificer rolled, um, they did not quite meet the the 25 DC and there's some really interesting stuff inside. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they are able to open it or if they're going to have to get uh, some NPCs to open it after the fact. Uh, oh, that's really they cool. all then went back to the the first chamber room. They're like, we need to sleep. And of course they only set one person to watch at a time. And first watch and I've, and I'm rolling in the background because this is a, this is a dangerous place. Craft can happen. And so I'm rolling in the background and I end up rolling. Uh, uh, I was, it was only a 18, 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. And something would happen. I, I rolled an 18. Oh no. So I watch the uh, person on watch rolled a three.
1: Oh no. So I basically,
0: I basically tell them that uh, you try and stay awake, but you, you slowly drift off to sleep and you feel a sharp pain in your leg before it all goes black. Oh man. I have, I have everyone roll perception checks. Everyone that failed their perception check was taken by something. Oh so the, no. You that made it wake up and three of the six of them are just gone. And oh, wow. the barbarian sees the last of the, the three being barely being dragged out of the room by something. Doesn't know what. So they all, he yells, they all spring to action. He runs down the corridor, down the stairs. And he steps out into the, the large main chamber. And I said something large and wet and slimy, drips onto you onto your head. And that's where I ended the session.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Oh, that's and still, they still didn't have a long rest. <laughs> so <laughs> this is going to be a really interesting. And I, and I know what I'm going to, uh, I have, I have plans for what I'm going to do and how I'm going to run it since mm-hmm. it's kind of like half and half. Um, and I think I'm going to do something I've I've never, never done before and do A uh, a variable combat encounter, where essentially I'm gonna it'll be almost like a skill challenge on one side, combat on the other side, a fixed number of rounds that they'll have to survive, and then roll checks for every round after that. That if they survive long enough, they will quote unquote scare whatever these creatures are off, or something like that.
1: That's cool. I'm I still like working out the
0: fine details, but that that's, I've never done something quite like that before. And I'm going to do a theater of the mind. So I think it'll be, it'll be really kind of cool and interesting uh, for this kind of slightly more horror encounter.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's actually going to be very uh, well, very cool to do, but uh, even the more magic. so very successful. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's what I've got looking forward to. Oh, cool.
1: Should be fun. Yeah, excited, and I can't wait to hear all about it.
0: And uh, then yours as well. There's yeah. all sorts of interesting stuff going on. It's fun to play D anD.
1: Oh my gosh, I totally d- skipped on uh, telling you too. Is that uh, they just got a name drop of something that uh, they're the magic shop owner who who's got the 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 door in the three different towns, you know, to get into the one magical shop. Cause it's, you know, on her own uh, pocket dimension. Yeah. yeah. Um, someone mumbled the name and she's like, wait a minute. And then just got completely lost in research and just basically like ignored them for the rest of the time. They're in the shop and uh, they're like, okay, I'm getting, I'm going to get more information on this and, and get back to you. And so they're going to have, uh, they're going to have some, some nice big lore drops coming soon too.
0: That's awesome. That'll be super fun.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, that's our show guys. That was it. It was really short. No, was, it was it though? No, it wasn't, but you know, I don't know. It always feels like it time. is though. Yep. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah, it but really does. All good things must come to an end. However, we are excited. Um, that um, As long as all things go to plan and the stars align, uh, Kyle Ferguson will be joining us next episode. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about some DM stuff with him as a prominent player on There Will Be Dungeons and a DM in his own right. And uh, creator of the podcast, DM Gives Inspiration, which if you haven't listened to it before, it's quite good and very uh, bite-sized and digestible. It's so full of good info. Oh, totally. So he will be joining us, uh, hopefully next week. Um, but until then, Ben, why don't you quickly run through
1: how folks can reach us? Of course. Uh, if you're looking to, uh, you know, send us a question or, you know, something long form, or you just want to share with what, with us what's going on in your campaign, you can send emails to dndiscussions at gmail.com. And of course, uh, we are on Twitter as well, where you can send us bite-sized chunks. Or uh, if you have a question like Spaz Wesson sent earlier in the episode, you can always uh, tweet us. That is at discussions. And, of course, every single episode that we've ever done is on dndiscussions.com, as well as on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, you know, all those fun places. Uh, But even more so, if you're looking for both of us and you're like, hey, I like what these guys do, but you know what? I wish I could hear them play a game. Well, we actually play in a game. It's called plus five to hit. You can check us out on iTunes and other places as well. Uh, In fact, we just had a brand new episode go up. Uh, We came back from a bit of a hiatus and I got to tell you, I'm really excited to see where that game goes, Ryan.
0: I agree. That's, that's always, always been a fun one. Definitely.
1: Now, if people are looking for you specifically, uh, where might they be able to find you? You can find me on Twitter at TBKZord. Yep. And if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Ben Bumhofer, but uh, Ryan, it's always a pleasure talking to you about D and D everybody who's joining us. thank you very much for all the supports. Uh, We love hearing from you and until next time, be good to each other. Take
0: care.